Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 107. As usual, I'm just going to jump into the comments and emails. Got lots of lovely ones from you this week, so thanks for that in advance. Our first one is from uh, Tim uh, by the community. So again, that's our community forum. And if you sign up to any of our subscriptions or products, you will get access to this community. It's just a great place for asking any questions that you need or offering advice. We've got lots of cool suggestions from people um, over the last few months since we've had it active. And it's just growing really well. And I love to see people interacting with each other. Uh, So more mention of that in uh, a little while. So Tim from the community, he says, hello, MBA community. I think that's our new nickname for our members, unless you guys have any more uh, better suggestions. There was someone who recently asked that question in, in the forum. He's just like, what's our name? Who are you guys? Who are we? Who, who are Mandarin Blueprint members? And I was, a long time ago, I was toying with the idea of the dragons. But I think that might be a little bit, I don't think people would go for that. I don't know. You know, China, our logo is a dragon, all that sort of stuff. But you know, if you've got any better ideas than the MBAs, please let me know. But that's the winner so far. Okay. Tim says, hello, MBA community. My name is Tim from Kansas City, Missouri, uh, USA. I wanted to introduce myself. Typically, I tend to self-study. But after having questions and hoping they would simply miraculously be asked, I decided to try and be a part of what I have come to learn. It's a valuable and amazing tool in this community. Though I have one year of Mandarin in university, and only just beginning this course, literally, I'm only on character eight. So he's on level two. It just feels right. So that's good to hear. Reading through the comments, I find many who feel the same. I am in my mid-50s, and after 30-plus years as a professional artist, very cool, galleries and tattoo, and having traveled to over 85 countries, I'm now working to one day be a DOM, a Doctor of Oriental Medicine. Good luck with your studies. I look forward to following your progress with all that Luke and Phil have done to pave the way. We clearly have the deck stacked in our favor to succeed. That's a fantastic opening um, sort of introduction, which we encourage a lot of our members to do, or as many as possible. Everyone, really, come and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Because uh, we like to know uh, not just the backgrounds and stuff, but why you're studying Chinese. That's a very interesting question for us. Uh, what's your motivation? And this one is uh, a very interesting one. You want to learn Chinese medicine. <clears throat> um, at least, yeah, so I have a friend that does traditional medicine. And he doesn't speak that much Chinese at all, apart from ni hao, in a very strong Australian accent. And xie uh, xie, that's how he says xie xie. You know, he does a great job already. Now imagine if you had awesome Chinese skills and you could read and write and speak Chinese, um, specifically the reading would be most valuable in that sort of profession. Um, and I think there's a lot of benefits as well doing that in China. There's lots of, uh, you can start your own business here. You can, people be very interested in what you, you know, if you were to do that, uh, practice it professionally. Um, lots of cool things you could do with that here. Um, so yeah, sounds, sounds good. good. Good to have you. Keep us updated on your progress as usual. And uh, yeah, send us another message in the community uh, if if you have a question or you want to offer some unique perspective, Tim. Ramona uh, on lesson, look how solid that foundation is. So this is, again, the end of the foundation course, which is the end of phase five. Uh, so this is 36 levels. She's uh, Ramona, w- at this point, would have learned uh, how to read, write, and speak. Um, well, re- at least read and write, uh, depending on how much speaking practice she's had. Uh, but uh, read, write, understand, um, 600 common characters in a thousand words 
And uh, so it's a, it's a great achievement. It's a good milestone to get to this place. And she says, I couldn't help myself. And I had to congratulate you with, with capital letters again and also congratulate myself. We made it, I may say. I'm usually starting something and giving up pretty soon, but your course kept me busy and taught me self-discipline. And a big thanks to you guys for that. Yeah, learning Chinese taught me a bit of self-discipline as well. That's for sure. Uh, I had never cared that much about learning in school, studying that hard. You know, I never really got it. Never really sat well with me. I didn't really care about any of my subjects, really, except for maybe English literature and art. Um, but then... <laughs> I stopped caring about art when my teacher said, told me, even if you were as talented as you know, Monet or Picasso, you could still fail this class if you don't do what I say. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, neither did school in its entirety. But when I started learning Chinese, um, and I sort of took it upon myself to follow my personal interests and just go down, down that route and see what, it, you know, it, I learned a lot of other skills on the way self-discipline being one of them. She says, I'm very grateful I found you at the beginning of this year and decided to learn Mandarin using your amazing course. Thank you. Uh, now I'll also give myself some time to review all the content and then move to level 37. Yeah, that's a nice idea. You know, you, 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 get, you reach a milestone, you take a little break, you have a cake, and yeah, that's what she said last time. And you, uh, you know, you, maybe you, uh, you, you can even take a hiatus. You could practice, focus more on speaking or start researching more reading and listening materials outside the course as well um, or if you, I guess you could do that at the same time you don't have to stop studying but you know what I mean it's good to take a little break um, every now and then and admire your progress and pat yourself on the back um, good strong hug thank you Ramona you too good to hear from you and you've still got the whole intermediate course left so you've, you've uh, you know you've got another ooh, two and a half thousand lessons to go uh, but you know, that's, that's a lot to look forward to, a lot more progress to gain. Kale Mosley on bonus, how to develop great study habits. She, uh, Kale, I don't know if that's a girl or boy's name. I apologize. This person says, hey, Phil, I, I'm going to guess boy, but uh, every time I do that, uh, I have made mistakes in the past, so I'm not going to bother, actually. Uh, hey, Phil and Luke, enjoying the pronunciation uh, mastery so far. I was studying for two months before coming across the podcast and then eventually signing up for MB. Oh, someone who found us through the podcast. I love hearing about that. Uh, I didn't realize how bad my pronunciation was until I started the course, and I feel my pronunciation is better in several days than two months trying to pronounce the pinyin without a clue what I was doing. Yeah, with pronunciation, because at the end of the day, a lot of it is just not being aware of the mistakes you're making, and it could be a slight tongue movement that you're doing wrong, and it could change the whole game for you. Uh, Robert Carver, uh, a, a long-term uh, client of ours member, he sent in, very bravely sent in a audio recording of him and we, we welcome anyone to do that. So we'll be happy to correct it either live or privately via a Loom video, like an, a screen share. And, um, you know, he was, uh, there, were, there were several different mistakes, but they all came from one major source, which was tongue behind the teeth. It was not sort of down far enough. And that can affect not just the sounds DTC, that's where the tongue has to be, but it can also affect other sounds, like uh, the uh, umlaut, u sound, because that's the, the tongue position is fairly important in that too. So, um, and hopefully that will, uh, and overall it's fantastic, by the way. Again, Robert, Robert, well done. It was it sounded really good. And uh, if he fixes that issue, he'll sound super good.
I enjoy not spending hours sifting through YouTube to find all the information I need. And that it is has provided to me a way that's organized and streamlined. If only there was a student discount. <laughs> Thanks, guys. A broke college. Well, you must be broke because it's only $20, you know. <laughs> so I appreciate that, Kale. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much why we made it. I was sick of it too. Um, and that is the product of not only my knowledge about pronunciation, Phil's knowledge about it, but also I, I think I did about another, I don't know, 50 hours, 100 hours of research just to see if we'd missed anything and, and comparing the the many, many contradicting pieces of information about there out there, especially about the biggest one I found was, oh, this sound like sure, it sounds like this in English. And it would come up, they'd come up with completely different words depending on where you got it from. And it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, so I thought, okay, we're going to solve pronunciation to get it out over and done with <laughs> and uh, spent thousands of hours researching, uh, teaching, uh, getting feedback from hundreds of live classes, hundreds of hours of live classes. Um, and I think the, the, the finished product is pretty darn good. I think uh, it's kind of the one stop shop for everything pronunciation. So if you haven't got that, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, go ahead and do that. You can find it on our on our website, William Green on pronunciation mastery. Thank you guys. Here's the review I just posted on Google. Oh, right, yeah, I remember this. I saw this on the Google, our Google Business Reviews. This is great. He says, I hope it gets you lots of new business. I'm a total beginner in studying Chinese. I decided with the lockdowns in April that I would learn Chinese while I can't travel. I think lots of people have done that. I live in Hong Kong, but Mandarin seemed the way to go. I'm not a young guy, 50 or over 50, but I thought maybe you can teach an old dog new tricks. You certainly can. So I started studying with a native speaker, uh, native speaking tutor here in HK. It was good, but I was struggling a lot. I listened to the You Can Learn Chinese podcast, highly recommended. That's the guys, Jared Turner and um, how am I forgetting this guy's name? <laughs> John Parsden. There we go. Yeah, because I, I followed all his stuff for so many years. He's the, uh, I think he he's the founder of uh, China, the original Chinese pod and um, Mandarin Companion. Uh, books him and Jared wrote those and edited those you know I mean not wrote them but you know edited them and and, and they're, they're, the, they're the brains behind that and they've got this podcast as well which is very good and Phil's actually been on there he's I think he was um, I can't remember the number the number of the lesson but it's something to do with traditional and simplified characters that's the title of the episode if you want to go check that out and I think I might be on there soon as well like Jared's invited me so maybe sometime this year I listen to the podcast reg regularly you can learn Chinese podcast and heard Phil make the case. Oh, okay, so <laughs> this is that. This is the episode it's referring to. I heard Phil make the case for learning from non-native speakers and pitching Mandarin Blueprint. I signed up for the seven-day free trial and couldn't stop watching the pronunciation mastery videos. I watched the entire course in the seven-day free trial and have gladly signed up for a subscription. These guys are amazing. Wow, thank you. Luke is such a good teacher. My native speaking tutor couldn't help me much with how to pronounce the sounds or explain why things were the way they are in Chinese. Yeah, why would he? But Luke's demonstrations and explanations were nothing short of amazing. Well, I got two amazings. Oh, sorry, okay, the, the first amazing was for me and Phil, but still. And Phil's cheering and advice at the end of each unit are just awesome. Yes, he's very motivating. He really gets the motivation and the mindset of learning. Keep up the amazing work. 
Wow, thank you. What a great email and review. Thanks, William. And please, guys, if you haven't already given us a review and you, you do it, you, you, know, you want to, sh you would be happy doing that and you haven't done so, uh, go ahead and do that on either Facebook or Google. That's like, it's so powerful for a small business to have that. Like the other day, a guy got in touch with us uh, by email and, you know, he wasn't rude, but he was kind of curt. He was kind of a bit brash. He was just like, so I've heard you think you can, <laughs> or something like that. It was like, uh, you make some pretty big claims, but first, number one, can I have a, a video of Luke speaking Chinese or one of you speaking Chinese? So I sent him that and he's like, yeah, and also I need some proof from your clients and, and it, you know, it was kind of a bit, yeah, a bit, a bit curt. So I was like, oh, okay, here's a video of me speaking Chinese. Here's our Facebook and Google reviews. And he was like, great, I'll sign up, you know, just from reading them. Um, so it's very powerful for a small business like us. Uh, it's, 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 it's just our ultimate weapon, really. Um, so if you can um, and you haven't already, please go and give us a review. Jack on Make a Movie for Hun. He says, the fascinating thing about this process is that before learning a character bottom up, it looks like a bunch of squiggles. But once it's learned, voila, crystal clear. It is weird. <laughs> it is, and it, that, that weirdness doesn't really go away. It hasn't gone away yet completely for me. Sometimes I, every now and then I'll just be like, whoa, I'm reading these squiggles, you know, still, even after reading every day for like, I don't know, five years. Um, so, and it is, it's in a cool way, not like in a, I don't understand this way, and it's just a really fun, interesting way. Uh, and yeah, and you'll also, another cool thing you'll notice, and this has a special name that, you know, I think you guys get it by now, I don't, I don't remember names very well. And we have a lot of members, so give me a break. But uh, a lady got in touch with me, and she, because I mentioned this feeling of like, when you learn a character, or a word in Chinese, or I imagine any language, you immediately notice it. You go outside. You say, oh, there's that character. Oh, there's that character. And you see it come up. Like I, I, told, I told my wife about it the other day. Like I, I, something I, I'm doing italki lessons again, just like just to keep my speaking up. And uh, we learn a word that I'd never heard of before. I swear I hadn't. And then I learned this word. It was a really cool word. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> um, and then I immediately heard my wife use it twice the very next day. I said, I was like, well, this is so weird. And I mentioned it on the podcast and then this lady got in touch and said, it's actually got a name. It's actually a, a phenomenon. I probably did hear it many times before, but because I hadn't learned it, I didn't, my brain didn't register it. So that's, a, that's just a cool thing that you'll notice uh, if you are either in China looking around or you watch like Chinese TV shows or uh, you read Chinese, you'll just, oh, there's that word I literally learned yesterday. That's so, so weird. Even if it seems kind of rare, it's a very strange uh, and satisfying phenomenon that you'll find. Jackie Vinters on uh, Required, How to Unspend Grammar Building. And God, sounds like a very boring title, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, but the comment is not boring. He says, wow, I love the sentences. It's unbelievably cool to understand them. And I have the widest smile. That made me smile. I was, I was reading that. Thank you so much. Yeah, we get a lot of that around that, around sort of level 12, 13. That's when you start, you know, you start being able to read Chinese, you know, after only learning like 100 characters or something like that. So it's very satisfying and cool for a lot of people uh, who make it that far and progress through it. And yeah, I, I, I'm kind of jealous as well. I love that because it'd be great to relive that again. Rick Ang Angerland on uh, it's a word for high, which means still or yet, um, or had better. It means a few, a few different things depending on the context. He says, So I want to order bread and I also want to 
order uh, beer. He asks, is it also okay to say, 我想点面包,也想点啤酒? So, 也 means also, and 还 also means also. And the answer is yes, you can say both. It depends on the individual. It's absolutely fine. Uh, this is pretty simple, really, but I thought I'd, I'd leave that in and, and just let you guys know in case you ever wondered that. They're completely interchangeable in this particular context. Next one here is Rick uh, on 长的. 长的 as in like to appear, to look, usually talking about someone's uh, uh, appearance, whether, oh, 长得好看 usually is, has, you know, this person has grown well. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm noticing this a lot. My baby is just, um, my baby's, my wife's pretty tall and uh, I'm pretty tall and my baby is very tall for his age. He's like, even for the average, the average sort of Western kid, he's like six centimeters taller than the average, longer uh, than the average baby, right? And uh, we just get constantly walking around like the little baby carrier and we constantly get people just pointing at him or looking at him, just like smiling like, 长得好,长得非常好,长得好. So like, not only this, so it means two things. So 长得, like you have grown to appear very nice. Like, like uh, the appearance is nice, but he, they're literally saying he's grown well. 长得好, like he's grown very well. So that's just a little tidbit for you. Um, and yeah, Rick is starting to piece together like, through input and exposure and practice with, with sentences and, and listening and shadowing. He's starting to pick out little details. This is and have clicks and these clicks come more and more often, the more exposure you get. And here's the example. So he says, since the or day, depending on whatever it is, depending on the context, since it comes after Zhang, then Zhang de is a verb phrase. Is this a good hint? And yes, it is. So for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, de, um, when it comes after any verb, it's talking about how this verb uh, is verbing. Um, so for example, if you wanted to say, he speaks well, or well said, as you know, you say you could say, uh, so is speak, de hao. so the way you spoke is Good, well, right. So, and this in Zhang de hao, right? You grew up very well, or you, you know, you look nice. Um, and yeah, it's all about placement. If you see that de, because obviously when it's when you have like these doyin zi, and that's going to come up a, a few times in this, I think in the next comment as well uh, about doyin zi as characters with multiple pronunciations, uh, and it really gives a lot of trouble to people uh, in sort of the beginner sort of intermediate stages of learning when you're learning characters and you're like wait a minute i just learned all these characters and they have multiple pronunciations depending on context how am i supposed to know and the meaning is completely different uh usually when it's different you know pronounced differently so it's tough but after exposure you start to notice these little patterns that's that's your language module in your brain and um and rick has noticed that oh okay so the can also mean uh so it means uh it's used in this verb phrase sort of situation, but it could also mean day, as in must. All right, so need day, you must do something. Um, and it also you see it in huodu uh, or de dao. So when it's a second tone, it means to uh, to get to to obtain, right? So it's like, oh my goodness, how am I supposed to know this? 
you know through exposure because you see that when you see this character after a verb immediately like next to it it's more than likely most likely uh maybe even 100 percent likely to be dung the or pao the quiet or sure the hot is going to be that verb phrase you know the adjective describing the verb whereas if you see it um before the character dao as in to get you know to arrive de dao that's that word de dao um and if you see it after a pronoun like i wo or ni you or ta him her it ta you see then you see this character then it's probably he must or she must or you must you know you notice these patterns so anyway uh, that's probably obvious to some of you but i think for for some of you like starting out where you're learning these characters and you're happy that you're developing this knowledge it's it's cool but also you're kind of like intimidated and maybe even a little bit despondent about ah oh man there's so much i don't know and maybe when the doyens of the multiple pronunciation characters can really come out of left field and uh you know when you sort of like oh i finally climbed that peak oh wow and you look up and there's like another huge peak but um again it's as long as you keep consistently at it reading reviewing listening uh it's not a big deal you get used to it like it's nothing after after a pretty short time so well done rick um keep it up this next comment from william beeman is kind of related he says hi what is the tone for tie in yi <laughs> so i kind of heard that one uh in the previous lesson it was listed as first tone but in this lesson you have it as fourth tone is this one of those words in inverted commas that has different tone realizations in different constructions Yes, it is. Doyenzi again. I don't think there is a case of tone sandy. Well, technically there is tone sandy, but only tone sandy only affect. Well, it, there's some there's some other very relatively rare cases of tone sandy sort of scattered through the language. But the main pieces of tone sandy, there's only three of them. For the character e, for the third tone, and the character bu, and that's it. And then there's some minor tone sandies, which I'm not going to go into right now because it's just so rare and you don't really notice them. Um, but uh, yes, so there is tone sandy, but only because that second word yi which means everything, has the character e in it, right? So tia itself, this character does not um, carry with it tone sandy, no. But it is a doyenzi again. It's a multi. It's a character with multiple pronunciations, and these pronunciations mean something completely different. Um, so that's why. We, but when it's a character on its own it's going to be to cut. When you see that character by itself um, or preceding a noun, you know, so for example, cut bread, that's what it means. Very simple. And it's always first tone when it's cut. But if you see it with e in front of it, again, I'm talking about noticing these patterns. You see e, and then it's going to be So e turns into second tone because becomes a fourth tone in this in this context so that's actually challenging you know um it's kind of a chicken egg situation so it's like tie only becomes fourth tone when it's with e but then that also makes e turn into r uh second tone so yeah it's uh again this sounds really complicated to uh to explain but once you see it once you expose yourself to it it's really not that big a deal but very confusing, very confusing when you first start out with this. You're like, what? Why is this? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I get it. Corinna on It's a Word, Kwai. 
as in a piece or a lump of something. She says, I'm a little confused about 我吃不下, in the last dialogue. How does 不下 translate to can't? And it's a good question. This is a resultative compliment or resultative. I'm not very good with the grammar phrases, that, as you guys know. Um, but basically, it means that you would have a verb and then you would have 不 or the character discussed in the previous uh, two comments ago, 的 or de or de. In this case, it's always a fifth tone. So verb, de, and then a third character, which means the result. And that de or the 不 in the middle is explaining whether or not this verb has been achieved or uh, can be achieved or can't be achieved. Okay? So in this case, 吃不下. So 吃 is the verb, and 不 is saying it, this can't be achieved. And this one, is, and the 下 is just sort of the, I guess you could say, the objective. It's, it's, it's the ending of, of this uh, verb phrase, this uh, verb result complement thing <laughs> all right so 吃不下. so it literally means cannot eat go down xia is down right so it's like literally saying i want to eat and make it go down but because it's got a bull there it's saying i cannot do it so you'd say 吃不下, meaning um something is either either you're absolutely full that's the most common usage like 我吃不下了, 我吃不下了, 我不能吃, 我吃不下了. Um, I'm full meaning I can put it in my mouth but it's not going down I'm just so full or it could be something that's so gross that you're just like nah that thing is not going down All right. um, and of course you could change that around you could ask someone a question usually it's a question format you would say 你这个你吃得下吗? so 的 means can achieve the, uh, the, the verb you see so you could say um, uh, another one, one that's fairly common in Sichuan is 说不来, or actually no, we're not going to do that one because that's kind of like a little bit dialect. Um, you could say um, oh yeah, okay, 看不到 or 看得到. 看 is to look, and 到 means like to arrive, means like successfully uh, achieve the verb. But then you can say 看不到 in the middle, meaning I cannot achieve this verb. I cannot see or 看不到. Or what can the dot? I can see it. Okay, so again, exposure, you'll get that pattern. It's actually a very simple pattern, it's just either boot or duh. There's no other combinations. The next one is that William Beeman on uh, New Vocabulary Unlocked is Gangang. Uh, Hi, in Gangang, yo, dianhua. What is the function of yo? Can it be omitted? Gangang, Yeah, so, so yo is basically saying, again, again, he did this, right? But uh, refer referring to. Um, Referring to the past only, I believe. Yeah, I think you can only use it in the past. So, 刚刚给我打了电话. That's literally just saying, oh, he gave me a, he gave me a call. That's it, right? It doesn't, it's absolutely fine. Grammatically, it works. But if you add a yo in there, it's kind of like, he, he, he did it again. Um, often expressing like a, a surprise or annoyance or something like that. Or like that's, that's what the function of yo here is doing. You could say something like, 他早上, so he gave, gave me uh, gave me three calls in the morning. And then he gave me a call again just now. You know, so it's like again. So that's that's it. That's all it's doing. And so it does it can be omitted, but the meaning wouldn't quite be the same. The next one is Rick Santos on uh, shadowing in phase four. So again, Rick uh, just like Robert sent us a 
audio of him speaking Chinese, like shadowing one of our pieces of content. Um, and please, you know, if you hear this, go ahead and share yours. It doesn't have to be publicly. Uh, Rick's wasn't public, that's fine. Um, we're, we're happy to spend uh, a few minutes going through it and, and pointing out where you could improve and where, where you're doing well. We love it, we, you know, we've got no problem with that at all. It's part of the service. So use it, <laughs> you know. Uh, Rick Santos on Start Shadowing in Phase 4. He says, I sent a recording of Water Baba, just a piece of content that we have, which I read and practiced like three times a day for four days at 80% speed or so I thought. At first I read very slowly and then gradually sped it up. That's what you're supposed to do. That's good. I thought it was already good, so I sent a recording as a baseline to note my level. I thought I made about five mistakes and left it like that, mainly because I was drained. Yeah, it's very tiring doing this, but it's, it's worth it. However, Luke gave a critique of it on five major pronunciation initials, namely the X, the SH, the R, and the ZH, that were repeatedly mispronounced throughout the text. After the shocking face-off with reality, I immediately went back to review the PM course again. After that, I listened again to my recording and noticed 38 mistakes more on just the pronunciations alone. You probably noticed not that many, but it's obviously they're repetitions you know, of the same mistake. Somebody has to point out my mistakes objectively because I need to know where and when I'm, I was doing those mistakes and what were the factors and nearby circumstances facilitating the mistakes. My ears are very forgiving to my pronunciations. Yeah, you get used to them. Lots of people do that. And my brain autocorrects and agrees with my ears. <laughs> Luke stops another attempt to a new emerging dialect known only to myself. Now more than ever, I am aware of the X's, the SH's, etc. more than ever. It was good the specific mistakes uh, were pointed out so that they will, they will not solidify into a bad habit. Before moving to shadow faster, I should be objectively accurate with the pronunciations and do more accurate practice every day. E-way, I thought I was doing okay. Yeah, what you wait? Thank you very much, Luke. I look forward to another challenging critique after three weeks or so. Yeah, bring it on. And it does help hugely. Uh, it helps hugely to get a, a third party sort of, I wouldn't say, uh, I could say expert, I wouldn't say expert, but um, uh, someone who knows sort of what they're talking about, also giving you a third party uh, outsider review of your pronunciation. Um, helps massively, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, keep them coming, guys. Next question here is from Liam. And it's on the pronunciation mastery course. It's about third tones. He says, hey guys, I understand that the tone sandy avoids the situation where you'd have to pronounce two consecutive third tones. Yeah, there's no such thing as two consecutive third tones. It's only second, third. So what about if I have a first tone, then a fifth tone, then a third tone? Normally, one would pronounce the fifth tone like an albeit short and light third tone as it follows a first tone, for sure. But then you have two consecutive third tones. Is this allowed or do you have to change one of the tones. I don't really get that last sentence 100% because you you wouldn't have two consecutive third tones. That doesn't exist. And the example you gave was first, thir fifth, third, not first, fifth, third, third. So I don't quite get that last bit, but this is how you do it. So I think with uh, uh, first, fifth, third, you could say like, ta de ma, ta de ma. So third tone, if you look at it, uh, it starts in the middle, roughly maybe a little bit below, but like roughly where you're just your normal speaking voice. And then it goes right down to your low, uh, the lowest part of your vocal range. And then it sort of stays there. Yeah, or, it, you know, or it can go back up in some cases, but most of the time it just goes, ma. 
like that. So it starts. It doesn't start like It's not. It's not always low. It starts slightly above. Starts sort of like uh, in the middle somewhere. Ma. So this it does still fall. So this is how it would go. So it's very subtle and slight. Yeah. Yeah, so it goes, I guess, it goes back up again a little bit. You know. um, so this is a good question, interesting question. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's how you would do it. So thanks, guys. That's all the emails and comments for this week. Let's jump into some movies. Actually, we've got, we've got a few this week because um, more and more people are making it into the intermediate because we're only doing um, scenes from the intermediate and above now. And more and more people are making it past that foundation course and getting into the intermediate course. So we're getting lots of cool, more and more movie scenes now coming out, which is great to see. So the first one is from the man himself, Robert Carver. It says, make a movie for Cheng, as in to become. Uh, and uh, here's his scene for this. Chuck Norris is in the kitchen at my ENG location fighting a halberd wielding Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. <laughs> Mr. Burns, oh, that's, that's a good prop, actually. So Mr. Burns is the prop for Chang, which means factory. Because I, I know that the nuclear power plant's not quite a factory, but he did make a factory with Lisa Simpson in one of the episodes. And it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? And he says, when Chuck roundhouse kicks the halberd out of Mr. Burns's hands, Mr. Burns cackles, turns red, and grows giant lobster pincers. Oh, which is another prop in the character. Becoming Lobster Man. And <laughs> have to add this on the end, of course. And immediately dismembering uh, Chuck Norris. So, you know, it doesn't have to be blood, guys. It doesn't have to be a violent thing. Um, but well done, Robert. That's, that's good. Um, I like the idea. Yeah, you've got all the props in there. And it's just, it's, it's a great scene. Well done. And I'm, I've got a soft spot for Simpsons characters. The next one here is from Alex Summary on Make a Movie for Shi, which means persimmon, which I have no idea. Apparently it's a, some kind of plum. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a useful character in words like Xi uh, Hong you know, which means tomato. It's one way of saying tomato. Anyway, he, he says, he climbs a tree and with his beret grabs a Sharon fruit. As he climbs down, his towel is flung from him, having been caught on a branch, exposing his plums. Thank you, Alex. Family friend Sharon walks in, so my SH actor covers himself with said fruit, which alone in the bathroom, again, he washes well before eating. <laughs> this was written in a really interesting way, um, but also very visual. Thank you for that, Alex. I appreciate it. A uh, little bit blue, a little bit naughty. But I, I, acceptable. Well, well done. Well done. It's a, it's a good scene. <laughs> the next one we've got Della Fuller make a movie for Bung, which means to help, of course. She says, Ben is outside the entrance of Erica's house on a very rainy day. Why is it rainy? Let's see. He is holding a Canadian flag in one hand and a towel in the other. He needs Erica to help him put the flag up on the pole but he doesn't want her to get wet so he bought a towel to help her stay dry that works well for me it's very sweet and it uses all the props very well you've also, i was wondering you know, you've added rain which doesn't have to be a prop it's just it's facilitating 
the the rest of the character, the rest of the scene. And that's highly acceptable to me as well. So well done, Della. The next one here is from Tristan Knotts from Make a Movie for Bow, which means to report or a report. And he says, a scene for Rick and Morty fans. Okay, Phil will like this one. Barack Obama stands in the backyard of my AO set addressing a large crowd on his presidential campaign with everyone holding foam fingers, that's the finger prop, in the crowd. In his hand is an extensive report sealed with a large wax seal, which again is another prop, containing damning evidence on his presidential opponent, Morty. Morty is the right-hand component, as in right-hand man of Rick. In this case, evil Morty. The report is a reference to the same report from the episode, the Rick Lantis mix-up. With Obama holding the report high above his, Evil Morty approaches from behind and assassinates his opponent. Graphic, yes, but this sentence is key for positioning of the opponents. This is highly memorable for me as it is quite plausible in the context of Rick and Morty, specifically the Evil Morty saga, and the positioning is very clear. Well done, Tristan. That's and I've, I've watched a lot of Rick and Morty as well. I can tell that's a, that would be very memorable. And you've got certain characters in there. A little, little bit of violence, but, you know, it's cartoon violence. It's not as bad. And uh, you've used everything really well. And, uh, yeah, I can't think of any issues with that at all. I've got some really good... You can tell that this is from later on in the course, can't you? All these scenes are just so spot on, so um, simple, so well written, so specific, uh, very clear, very vivid. Just, just Everyone's just hitting it out of the park. Uh, this is after, of course, lots of practice. You know, by this point, you've done it hundreds of times with different hundreds of different characters. So, true experts. Again, Robert Carver on ah. So this would be directly after. So Tung, the character we learned uh, with his last scene to become. This is actually going to be used as a prop, as a component in the next this next upcoming character, which means city, Cheng Shi. So let's see how he does. And the only difference is you just add a little uh, soil component on the left. So let's see how he does this one. He says, Chuck Norris, again, it's the same pronunciation. So Chuck Norris is in the kitchen at my ENG apartment holding a pot of soil and eagerly awaiting the arrival of Superman. Ah, that's an interesting prop choice for, sit, uh, for to become, right? Who has just defeated a space alien who has been threatening the city. When Superman swoops into the kitchen, Norris holds out the pot of soil in thanks for saving the city. But Superman is so offended that the pot doesn't even have a flower in it, let alone a key to the city or even a ribbon, that he crushes the pot and then bursts up through the ceiling, floats above Portland, the ENG apartment city, and uses his laser eyes to level the entire city to the ground. Now that would involve some pretty intense CGI in your mind, and I think you'll be very capable of that by now, Robert. Uh, that's really intense, but very vivid. I like it. Well done. Just fantastic, guys. Thank you so much uh, for your scenes. That's going to add a lot of great little snippets into the course. Uh, and also thank you very much for everyone's emails and comments, as usual. Uh, and yeah, uh, one last little thing before I go. Um, <clears throat> I should say that we have now added all of the videos for the uh, longer form content in all of phase four and five. Uh, and we know not <clears throat> that we've added the content to the point where you don't need Google Slides now. The only thing we use Google Slides for at this point is the pronunciation mastery, sort of extra bonus content, uh, which is not 100% necessary anyway. You know, it's just for 
an extra little bit for you if you wanted to practice more sounds. And the Anki guide, and that's it. No more Google Slides now. So a lot of you are going to be very happy with that. Of course, the videos have text tracking, which uh, Phil painstakingly edited himself. And you can download the videos, the audio files, the text files, all separately and shadow offline on your phone if you need to. So it's all great. It's another great improvement to the course. Uh, so enjoy that, guys. Uh, for those of you who are on the course that haven't quite made it there yet to that to phase four and five, you've got that to look forward to. And for those of you who aren't on the course at all, if you've listened, as I often say, if you've listened this far in the podcast, just give it a shot. Go ahead and start a free trial. And also, I should mention this too, actually. One thing that we've decided to do is, you know, we've decided to sort of switch up how we're doing the pricing of the course. Um, we're no longer going to be doing, uh, I wouldn't say 100%, but we're probably going to sort of stop doing subscriptions now. Uh, and we're going to start selling the course as bundles, you know, piecemeal. So sending, you know, selling the pronunciation mastery, selling the course by phases, phases one to five, or the foundation as a whole is like a bundle um, or a acquisition bundle. That's some, something we might call it, where it's basically the entire curriculum. And of course, we charge on a sliding scale the more courses you buy. I and mean, this is not going to come into effect for like several months, um, but we think it's going to be a better way uh, to do things because we were finding that subscription services are kind of stable uh, for us as the owners. You know, we can guarantee that we're making a certain amount of turnover so we can make better plans for how we develop the company and all this sort of stuff. But in terms of you as the member, we find that a lot of people, especially because if they're not rolling in cash, they're paying for this thing, but something comes up and they can't study for a month or two or three or six months. And people were just coming to us and cancelling. And we we're like, why are you cancelling? And then, you know, which we always ask, not that it's our business, but if you feel like sharing, we really appreciate the feedback and stuff. And so many people were saying, I love your course, guys, but, you know, COVID or I love your course, but I can't study because I have to do this really important thing that's more important than learning Chinese. But I don't want to be wasting my money, you know. So what what we found that, and also of course with the lifetime sale, the success of that, um, people I, I think people weren't just buying the lifetime because it's they they believe in the quality of the the, the product. It's also because it gives them that extra time. It's like I have a lifetime to do this now. I don't have to worry. Oh, every month that money's going to keep coming out, or when's my next annual payment going to come out? Oh, I forgot about it and I got charged and uh, I haven't used it for six months and I forgot, you know, you get, you get your idea. So overall, I think it's a better service for you guys if we stop doing the subscriptions and we sell it individually. Lifetime access to whatever you want, you know. Um, and I think it'll be fun doing it that way as well for us. So anyway, that's that's something that's in the pipeline as well as a development. And so got that to look forward to i think it's gonna be a lot better by the way for those of you that are already on subscriptions and you, you want to keep that and we're not going to cancel your subscription or anything like that um but uh, that's at least not at the moment i'll certainly will give you a long warning before we do that but i can't see a reason why we would do that uh, if you prefer to keep your 15 20 30 or whatever it is a month subscription or annual subscription that's up to you um, but we're going to, obviously, when we do release it as bundles, as piecemeal, we're going to give you a very good deal to switch over. Uh, 
which makes it you know it's going to make it's going to be more attractive to to do it that way than it is to stay on the subscription but yeah, we don't want to force anyone to do anything really <clears throat> but yeah so just as, as we like to be you know completely upfront and you know let you know what's going on so uh let us know what you think about that if you've got any thoughts um and again thank you very much and uh yeah i will see you guys in a couple of weeks bye bye